Hey everybody, this is Russ and Dave coming at you with a, a live uh, and in-person episode. Uh, Russ and I got together this week to record uh, together another episode of Crossfire Faith and Gaming. So let's uh, jump into this week. We've got a couple things we want to talk about, uh, maybe some housekeeping stuff to start. But uh, obviously this podcast is a little bit late because we wanted to wait to do it in person um, with the two of us in the same place. Um, and so we're doing this one, but we also have a plan to do a full, uh, spoiler review discussion on the last of us coming up. This is the other reason why we're a little bit late with this one. We thought maybe I would be done with the last of us by now, but I'm a little bit slow. I <laughs> like to fall off buildings and, uh, yeah. So we will get to the last of us spoiler cast at some point in the near future, uh, when I finish the game. But for now... Um, any other housekeeping, Russ? I think that's it for housekeeping. So we're going to jump into the news. And then our, our main topic for the podcast this week, we're going to have a spoiler-free discussion of The Last of Us and uh, tell you guys what we think, kind of give you a Christian perspective of the game a little bit, and you know, kind of discuss um, maybe what we'd score the game so far with me finishing it, with Dave kind of being almost done with it. Um, and we'll have that discussion. But first, let's get into some news, um, as there's continues to be a ton of gaming news this summer, even without all of the big events. Um, so first up, we're going to actually talk about Discord, which we use yeah, frequently. Talk about Discord. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll talk about Discord uh, mostly because I think Russ has the has the uh, leg up on most of this week's news, and I can tell you about Discord. Uh, so the news this week is that Discord is rebranding in an effort to uh, try to expand their service beyond the gaming community. Uh, this news comes from TheVerge.com. And so it looks like the company has launched a redesigned website with the tagline, Your Place to Talk. Uh, we've talked about this before as gamers, the fact that you know Discord is a wonderful platform for video chat, for voice chat, for text chat. Uh, it's a, it's a, where we host our Monday night discussions, uh, and trying to take that platform into a non-gaming space, I think is really difficult when your branding is all about gaming. So, uh, you know, high five to discord. sounds like a good thing. I wish them the best of luck as they uh, go on this endeavor. And I hope that, uh, as their audience continues to grow, that, uh, they can continue to see success, uh, beyond the scope of gamers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think what they're realizing right now is obviously in the current climate with us using all of those different platforms and Zoom kind of taking the front stage with businesses and and families and um, other people. You know, Discord has doesn't really get talked about because people feel like it's for the gamers. So right, I think I think uh, you know them rebranding and doing that is just their way of trying to get more into the mainstream and not just be gamer focused because as gamers, most of us know that discord is a great platform and in some ways beats zoom and it's um, free. Exactly. And it does a great job at being free and giving you high quality um, discussion and, and communication channels and things like that. So very interested to see if this helps them. Hopefully it's not too late for them to do it, but I have a feeling that we're going to be using this technology continually for a while now. So I have a feeling they're, they're doing good timing. Um, next up in our news. Yeah. Uh, next up in our news is Xbox. Uh, so we've got a, f a few different things, uh, and I'm going to let Russ take it away as, uh, Russ has an Xbox, plays Xbox, probably plans to play more Xbox than I do. So Russ, tell us what Xbox has for us this week. Well, okay. So the exciting news is they finally announced, uh, the date for the Xbox event. I know that we've chatted with a bunch of people, um, about this and they're kind of waiting and seeing when they're going to announce, uh, the exclusive event, which will be mostly first party Xbox games on the series X. 
So that date is going to be July 20th. So plan that if you're listening to this, plan to join us probably for a live stream, um, similar to like we did with the PlayStation event. Come hang out with us while we chat and discuss and watch the games get revealed in live uh, moments there. And it's just kind of a fun way to hang out and see some of the new gaming stuff coming our way. Um, it's always exciting when new stuff gets developed because, again, I we all believe that competition breeds uh, better innovation and it helps us as the gamers. So that's the big first um, Xbox talking point. The next one is uh, the Summer of Games. So if everybody doesn't know, Summer of Games is going on right now. It was kind of their way to say E3 is not happening. And instead, we're just going to do weekly events where we announce different games and work with different developers. And Xbox is going to be doing a Summer of Games event. I believe it is towards yep, the end of July. So it's the 21st through the 27th of July. So right after the event from Xbox. So actually, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I'm excited about that because I know they had, uh, what did they say, 60 free games that uh, are available to play as part of their Summer of Games uh, Xbox demo event so uh yeah so it looks like they're going to be offering a ton of demos it includes destroy all humans uh haven crisis tale hellpoint skatebird the veil shadow of the crown raji and ancient epic and welcome to elk along with that there are going to be a ton of other experiences and stuff for people to try and i know one thing i've heard from gamers before is demos have kind of died off and we don't see demos anymore yeah it's not Um, like not like back in the day when i used to get my pc gamer magazine with a disc in the back that or yeah or the the playstation magazine with the demo disc for playstation one um or even just you know (laughs) demos being released online we thought that once you know digital things happened we'd see more demos being pushed to us and it seems like demos have just completely disappeared so now it's the the few and far between the games that have any sort of demo content at all Mm -hmm. so we're going to finally get that. We'll see what those games are like and what what uh, other secret games they're going to have. And then the last thing, and this is kind of another big one, um, is Xbox is going to have an event in August where they reveal the Xbox Project Scarlet, which we know to be the less powerful, cheaper version of the Xbox Series X. We don't know the name. The code name is Scarlet. That's all we know. Um, a lot of people were surprised that PlayStation released a digital-only um playstation 5 already to the public because nobody talked about that everybody was talking about scarlet so this is kind of a surprise uh to see but it looks like we're going to get that sometime in august so that'll be another event that we'll have to cover and i i assume in august that we'll probably start seeing um a lot more next gen content really hitting at that point because I'm assuming we're looking at November for these consoles, just from previous launches and from the holiday season and getting it before Christmas. So August is going to be the time to really ramp up the messaging on that and get pre-orders and pricing out most likely as well. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Speaking of things happening in the fall, um, Cyberpunk 2077 had some exciting news this week and some not-so-exciting news. Uh, I'll talk about the not-so-exciting news, and then Russ can talk about the exciting news. Um, so Cyberpunk 2077, which was originally scheduled for uh, release in the springtime and then was delayed uh, due to production delays and then now has been delayed yet again. Um, is this second or third delay for Cyberpunk I believe it's the third. Yeah, because um, I think it got delayed and then it got delayed for COVID and now it is being delayed yet again. Um, 
But I will say, good thing that they've announced, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, Cyberpunk 2077 announced that they will be looking at uh, upping the graphics for next-gen consoles, correct? Yeah. Um, which is an exciting thing. So those of you looking forward to getting a next-gen console in the in the holiday season this year can look forward to playing your hundreds of hours of Cyberpunk 2077 and body modification. Uh, you can do that on your next-gen console. So tell us about the rest of the exciting news Cyberpunk 2077 had. Well, one interesting thing about the upgrade is they're going to do the enhanced upgrade, um, similar to what they do with Xbox games, uh, backwards compatible Xbox games, where they get a bit of a boost. Um, The word is, though, they're still going to actually come out with a full next-gen version of the game, but that probably won't be until 2021, they said, because at right at, at, at... when it was originally announced for August or whatever, they said it wasn't going to be available at launch. So who knows when that's going to come. They're at least going to kind of hold you over a little bit and let you play a somewhat beefed up version of the game in your next gen consoles. Um, the other thing they announced, because they had their uh, Night City event, and they're going to continue with these episodes of Night City event that reveals different parts of the games. They showed uh, a new trailer, a story trailer, which... Um, If you guys go watch the trailer, it's awesome. There's so much in it. And then afterwards, they revealed that the trailer only used footage from the prologue, which is like the first four hours of the game. And it was like, oh, my gosh, all that happens in the first four hours. We have no idea what happens past that um, because really everything we've seen is just the first part of the game. Also, people have got their hands on with it. Uh, They've been able to play that first four hours. Um, One of the cool things they said is there are three story paths that you can start the game with depending on your character choices um, when you create your character. So you can start at three different completely separate locations in the game for your prologue. Hmm. Um, So again, we're finding out this game is just bigger and bigger and bigger. And... I'm almost getting worried that I'm not going to be able to finish it. And I don't know many people that are going to be able to finish it. And I'm wondering how reviews are going to work with that because I have no idea how a reviewer is going to get through most of the game and then be able to review the whole full game um, without waiting months and months potentially to get to it. So, yeah, I know for me, I I picked up the Witcher uh, three wild hunt and uh, started playing it and i got a a good portion in and then i looked at uh, the normal average time that it takes to beat that game and i just got extremely depressed and decided uh, i was gonna just completely give up because (laughs) um now granted cd project red made an amazing game i love the witcher as a series um i love the netflix series but um you know it was just it was daunting so i'm i'm hoping that with cd project red's cyberpunk 2077 that we can start hit the ground running and and push through uh but i'm also a little bit worried like you were saying that uh maybe it's just a game to play half of and then give up but the other cool thing speaking of the witcher on netflix it seems like cd project red has an agreement with netflix in place um because they did announce also during that event that there is a an anime show coming out for cyberpunk on netflix So it seems like CD Projekt Red and Netflix are kind of, you know, combined together because I think they like the projects and they like what they're doing. Um, And The Witcher was so successful. So now we're going to get a cyberpunk. And I I think anime is kind of the way you have to go with the whole, you know, cyberpunk um, theme. So that'll be neat. And maybe that's how we get the story, you know, instead of 350 hours of gameplay. Yeah, we'll see. 
Okay, well, let's go on to the last news subject, which will actually lead into our topic and us discussing The Last of Us so far, um, and spoiler-free, just FYI, everybody. Yeah, so if you're listening to this, we are not going to give spoilers, um, so do not worry. Uh, We will give spoilers in our next podcast, um, but right now, we are just going to talk about, uh, first off, the reviews, and then second off, our thoughts on the game. Um, Yeah, so one of the things, maybe you guys have checked it out, uh, when when the reviews uh, from critics first came out for The Last of Us, um, it was phenomenal. Uh, got a 95 on Metacritic. Uh, received really high marks from most critics that that had it early and reviewed it and had the chance to play the whole game. And then the day that the game actually came out, uh, it got review bombed. And so within a matter of uh, what I don't know hours. Yeah. Um, there hours. was something like you know 10,000. Um, I don't know how you could probably see Russ how many. Uh, so, well, thousands. This was, this was only based on several thousand. The article hasn't been updated, but. Uh, the funniest thing, and I'll say this, um, Neil Druckmann, the writer on the game, tweeted out a sarcastic tweet, which had a picture of how many people reviewed The Last of Us Part Two, And he said, based on how many, I think it was like 36,000 reviews. He's like, this is more reviews than Uncharted 4 and the original Last of Us combined to this day have been reviewed. Right. So it was him questioning... How many of you actually played the game all the way to completion or even played the game at all to throw in these zero out of 10 reviews? Right. And there were there were a lot of people that threw out zero out of 10 reviews. And I think there were a lot of people that picked up the game, played for an hour, uh, and either reviewed it based on that experience or that they reviewed it based on uh, something that they had seen in the spoilers. Um, so, you know, I think personally... Um, that it seems like most of those reviews are either people were unhappy with some of the story twists that uh, we experience in the game, uh, or that people were just unhappy with the portrayal of uh, the characters in the game. And uh, you know, the fact that, that it does uh, take uh, a little bit of a look at some LGBTQ characters and prominence in the game. And some folks said, oh, I'm not about that. And I'm going to I'm going to leave, uh, which I think is just too bad because, you know, I think we got to keep an open mind. And I think these kind of stories are the kinds of stories that tell us um, more about the world than we might have a chance to experience. Um, so, so Russ, having finished the game yep. um, without giving spoilers, yep. um, tell me your, your initial thoughts on um, what were the things you liked the most about it? Uh, what were things you found hard And uh, what would you say to somebody who's just now picking up The Last of Us um, as they look forward to this beginning this journey? Um, So the big thing for me, and and I'll just go into straight into like one thing that I know a lot of people didn't like about the original Last of Us for the people that didn't like it was the gameplay. Um, They thought that the game was very linear and very um, there just wasn't a lot to the combat systems and things like that. While the crafting was cool, there just wasn't a lot. And we have a lot of games out there that have so many things that you can do and so many things that you can change the way you play. And I will say that, and it's funny because people kind of made fun of it when they first found out, was adding simple things like the ability to jump, the ability to um, dodge, um, things like that. They may sound like really weird. I think being able to go prone uh, in the grass is something new. And you hear that and you hear that that's their big gameplay upgrade. Well, it made a huge difference in how you play the game. And it offered a lot of different avenues. You don't have to just now stealth. Um, Stealth is obviously maybe the easier way to go if you're good at it. Uh, But if you want to fight your way through different encounters and sections, um, you can do that a lot easier now because of some of the extra added things, such as the dodge especially. 
Um, so that stuff upgraded has made the game even better. So the gameplay is better than the first. That's a given, and most people will agree with that. If you take out story, you take out everything else, gameplay is much improved. And then besides that, I mean, I enjoyed the story. Again, we won't talk until spoilers. Um, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk about some of the reason that some people aren't liking it. But I enjoyed the story. For me, I mean, it's the most beautiful game I've ever played, period, hands down. There's no game out there that looks as good as it does. Um, and I'm very interested to see if they or, and what they do if they upgrade it to PS5 um, because there isn't ray tracing in the game. They have built-in lighting that mimics ray tracing. So it'd be interesting to see what they do if they implement that. Um, other than that, I mean, I love the game. I'd give it a great review. Um, we were just talking about that. I pulled up the review scores. It's now up to a 5.0 user score. So it seems like some of the actual people playing through it are now giving it better scores. But there is 105,000 people who have reviewed the game on Metacritic. That's insane for a game user reviews. So yeah. there's a red flag. And on top of that, there are 31,000 negative reviews of the game versus now 22,000, which was a lot worse the day it came out, which is where the review bombing came. So I definitely am in the positive. Um, I've seen some of the, um, if you look at the critic reviews, even some of the mixed reviews are giving it like a seven or an eight. Right, and it is important, I think, to point out that of the critic reviews, there are zero negative critic reviews. Zero. Yeah. Consider that. I mean, for a game to have zero negative critic reviews, I mean, they're critics. Like, their job is to be critical. Um, you got to be careful. So, the yeah. only thing, the, the thing I hear people say all the time, which is dumb, is that critics are paid off um, to give a good review. And if you look at it, there are 108, 110 um, critic reviews. I don't think Naughty Dog is going to waste their revenue paying all of these people off to get that good review. Right. And if, and if you want to go down that conspiracy theory hole, uh, have fun. That's probably not nearly as fun of a journey as uh, the last of us part two. So, uh, Russ, what would you say to people starting this journey? If they're just now getting into the game? Um, I say, be prepared, um, take some breaks. Uh, it's not a game I would sit and straight through and play start to finish. There are definitely moments in the game that you'll want to take a break and pause. Um, it really makes you think it really makes you feel, um, that I can tell you about is, you know, as far as the gameplay goes, the animations and the, I know the people have talked about the violence beyond end. Um, but it is very realistic when it comes to the violence. This isn't a doom where, you know, every person you shoot just blows up and, you know, cartoony gore and stuff. Like, this is serious, serious violence that makes you think before you kill. Um, and I think that you need to be prepared for that. Uh, with us coming a little bit maybe more from the Christian's perspective, uh, this game is definitely rough. Um, it's rated M for a reason. I would not, I would not let anybody under the age of 18 play this game right. at all. Um, this is not, you know, I know some people are like, oh, let my kid play Grand Theft Auto and this is this. Uh, this is even more beyond that because the amount of violence and the amount of things in your hand, I don't think a kid under the age of 18 is ready to comprehend and be able to process it without it affecting them. Right. So I would say nobody under the age of 18 should play this game um, whatsoever. There's nudity, there's violence, there's gore, um, there's all this stuff that I just would say, no way. So. Well, and, I, and I think for me, you know, uh, all of those things are factors to not let my kids play it, to not let anybody else's kids play it. Um, I think the other thing for me is uh, the emotional depth of the themes. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, you, you need to understand that there is deeper emotion 
And I mean, one of the things that I heard even before I started playing this game from everybody who had finished it was this is a game that will have me thinking for years to come uh, about the story, about the themes, about the, um, the way that the story weaves. So, um, so I'm going to give my review yep, uh, if we're ready it. for that. Um, so, so far I'm, you know, I'm probably 80, 90% of the way through the game. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm about 23 hours in, I would say. Um, and I would say, you know, my, my favorite part of the game, I would, uh, obviously the visuals are beautiful. Um, I love a story that, that makes me think a story that makes me feel, um, a story that is more story than gameplay. Um, I feel like, you know, as much as I love, so what I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now, <laughs> and as much as I love that game and it's fun and it's neat and it's a, it's a neat tourism moment to go look at these places. Um, there's very little emotional depth to the story compared to the last of us part two. Um, so the last of us part two, I love the fact that the writers are telling a very specific story. They have a very specific way that they're telling it, which makes sense for why they're using linear, linear gameplay. Uh, I will give them a ton of credit. And one of the complaints people had of last of us part one was the linear gameplay and they've gone ahead and they've expanded that to a wide world. Uh, so it's still a linear gameplay, but you know, there's a part where you're in Seattle and you get to explore uh, all around Seattle and, and it's kind of, you know, a pick your own adventure for a little while until it takes you into the next chapter uh, or until it takes you into the next area. Um, so I really appreciated that. I do think they had some major gameplay improvements. Uh, I will say, you know, it is not the smoothest gameplay. That's probably my one negative thing about this is, um, you know, some of the gameplay felt clunky. There were some boss fights that I was in where it was like, oh gosh, how do I switch the weapon and then switch the ammo? And then, um, that was not as smooth as say, you know, the wheel system in, in Red Dead or Grand Theft Auto or uh, any of those games. But uh, that being said, I think the only other negative thing I would have to say is just uh, how hard the game is emotionally, uh, which is not really a negative. It's a positive. Um, but there are, I mean, there are gut punches to where I would say The Last of Us Part 1 had, you know, maybe one gut punch uh, in the middle and maybe a major gut punch at the end. And this one has a few gut punches throughout it that are just uh, going to leave you feeling things and uh, wanting to hug your friends and call your neighbors. Um, but that being said, I think this is also a chance for this game to have some commentary on uh, violence. You know, some of the things that people have talked about um, that's not a spoiler is the fact that, you know, characters have names. These are, uh, you're not, you're not just taking out a random, uh, opponent you're taking out, you know, Billy and Susie and Johnny. And when you, when you, when you kill them, you hear their friends and loved ones crying out their names. Uh, the dogs are just absolutely devastating. Um, you know, at one point I remember I took out an owner of a dog and then the dog just sat and whimpered on the owner. And I felt extremely terrible for taking out this, this person, which you should feel terrible for killing people. Correct. Um, you know, and I think we've gotten to a point in video game violence where, um, you know, as much as I, I'm going to take a, a second to say, I do not believe violent video games create actual violence. Um, I think most people, if you're not a sociopath, most people have the ability to distinguish video game violence from actual violence. Correct. Um, this is not the reason not to let your kids play it. I think the reason not to let your kids play it is because the emotional difficulty and the, the potential trauma of seeing those images in their head. Um, but that being said, uh, I do think it's important for us to remind ourselves that there is a consequence to violence, uh, whether it be simply getting extremely angry at somebody and taking it out on them, uh, or if it's going as far as the places that Ellie takes it in this game. Um, 
and I won't say anything else, but <laughs> it's um, hard. It's... But I would say, you know, for those of you starting this journey, um, yeah, take time. You know, mental health and self-care is really important. If you need somebody to talk to, I, you know, I'd advise you to check out our Facebook group uh, as long as you don't post spoilers um, at Crossfire Faith and Gaming. Um, talk to them. Talk to us. You know, check check in with somebody. Tell people how you're feeling. Uh, even if you start the game and you decide you absolutely hate it, talk to somebody about why you hate it. Don't just review bomb it and be one of those people. Um Talk to people. And I think this has a game. This is a game that has the chance to open a lot of conversations about uh, anger, about violence, about revenge, about um, sexuality, about passion, about love, about caretaking, about um, religion, <laughs> about spirituality, about life. Um, this is a game that has a chance to really open conversation about life. And I can't wait to get through the rest of the game have the spoiler cast that we're going to have and have those conversations about life. Cause this is an amazing game. Uh, and I'd highly encourage you all to play it. And, uh, and I would even say for those of you that might not own a PlayStation, right? Cause this is the hardest thing for me when I, before I owned a PlayStation, everybody was telling me, Oh, last of us part one, amazing game. You got to go play it. Um, I actually just went online and I watched a video, uh, of like the first three hours, um, of the game and at least got some of the story. Now, granted, if you have the chance to play it, play it. Don't watch it. Wow. If you don't own a PlayStation and that's the only thing holding you back, uh, ask your friends. They might let you play it at their house. Um, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it goes back to the review bombs and all that. It was the leaks that came out and people just saw. I, and I even, I had one of the big moments spoiled for me. And I was shocked because it wasn't in the way that I was told when it was spoiled for me. Hmm. Um, and because of the way, that, like when I just heard the spoiler, like this right. happens, I'm like, why? I'm, I'm done. I don't want right. to play this game, which a lot of people did. And but then it was like, is. yeah. Then it was like actually experiencing it and playing through the game and seeing what happens. I'm like, wow, that is a lot more than just, this is what happens in the game versus actually playing and being a part of it. I know that's a big difference. Um, so I would say, yeah, you play maybe, well, I'd, I'd say maybe just take a quick look at a trailer or something and see if it's great. Um, other than that, if you can get your hands on it to actually play it and experience it, I highly recommend that. Um, with next gen coming out, I know I've heard from some people saying that I'm going to be switching over to PlayStation. Um, and the good news is Last of Us will be playable on PlayStation 5. So you may have your chance to get a chance or get a chance to play it. Um, the, the last thing, though, I think we should talk about real quick um, is the accessibility options right yeah i would say um one of the major things that they've come out with in this game is that it is a very accessible game probably one of if not the most accessible game the Um, most we watched a uh, thing on youtube uh from a guy called the blind gamer um he's like some massive percentage uh visually impaired and he said you know even with his visual impairment he was able to play this game because of the accessibility things that they put in that make it possible to play. And even then, you know, for a guy like Russ, Russ is a trophy hunter. Um, and you know, that might be more difficult if you're a guy who likes to get trophies, but some of the trophies are, you have to finish this game on the hardest difficulty possible. There are no difficulty trophies in this game. So I think that the visual impairment, um, 
some of the audio things that they've put in this game. Uh, it's an extremely accessible game for anybody with any differences of ability. They, they've made it easy for people who have physical disabilities where they can't maybe hold the controller right. Um, things like auto lock on, just so you can experience the gameplay and experience the story. Um, they have the uh, visual impairment mode where um, enemies and, and good people and stuff have different colors and highlights. Um, they have audio cues for completely blind uh, people. I know that I've, I've been seeing different videos going around the internet of people showing themselves completing The Last of Us Part Two, and they are fully blind. Wow. A fully blind gamer completed like one whole section of the game and, and put it up online, and it got a lot of responses because he just used the audio cues. Like they have um, the text to speech you can do on everything. Um, it'll describe to you what's happening text to speech. Uh, you'll get pinging noises. They've done a great job with the sound design. It's gonna be, and, and it's what that guy said because he actually helped develop some of the, the the stuff for the game. But seeing it was really emotional for him. The thing he said in his review of, you know, can you play it with a disability? Is this is the gold standard that every game needs to follow from here on out and put these things into place no matter what. And if you don't, you're falling behind the times. And so. That's a huge, huge aspect of the game for anybody out there who has maybe somebody they know with an impairment that really wants to play games. This is probably where you steer them. Um, and I think that's really awesome that Naughty Dog did that. And they should get props for that. Yeah. I think the other thing I'll say before we end is, um, you know, and we saw an article and I won't get too much into it. Um, but just about the the realisticness of the way that religion is por portrayed in the game. Um, there are a few places where you come across some religious um, iconography or some religious symbolism or religious locations. And I think both being able to talk about religion in a way that's, you know, many games uh, take it and they say, okay, let's take religion. Let's take it to the extreme, you know, like Bioshock Infinite or Far Cry 5 or um, gosh, there's a bunch of others, but um, they take it to the extreme where religion becomes the enemy. Uh, or you've got the other extreme where, you know, in the Christian gaming world, religion is the whole video game um, where the only thing you're doing in the video game is experiencing religious themes. Um, so I think this does a really good job portraying religious themes uh, and, and kind of through the narrative of the game, uh, exploring some of those places where I, I found myself at one point going, Oh wow. The thing they're talking about on this religious theme sounds a whole lot like real life. Um, so I would say, you know, that's another interesting thing we'll get more in detail about when we actually get to our spoiler cast for The Last of Us. But keep an eye out for those religious themes, uh, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about them. Yeah, we're excited to, to get into the spoiler cast for you guys again uh, when we do release that. Don't watch it unless, you know, you actually play the game or if you really, really like spoilers. We know some people. And so... Yeah, Brian, um, if you're listening, you know you <laughs> like the spoilers. So you can go ahead and listen to all of our spoilers uh, so you get all of that content. So, yeah, we hope that we can have the spoiler cast out in the next, I'd say, week or so, um, just based on where David is in the game. So be on the lookout for that. And other than that, make sure you follow us on Facebook at Crossfire Faith and Gaming, our YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe so you get updates when all our videos get uploaded. We do uh, gameplay videos and then also our podcast there. Obviously, all podcast services have our podcast listed on it. And we have our Discord server, which we do a Monday night hangout. 
um, on uh, Discord where we all hang out for several hours every single night. Yep. And then Russ has been streaming on Twitch recently under our uh, headline uh, Crossfire Podcast. Um, so if you check out Russ on, on Twitch on Crossfire Podcast, uh, he's streaming, I think, once or twice a week. So you can uh, watch that. You can hang out with Russ while he's streaming. Um, so that's a great way to engage with us as well. So more than anything, we just want to say thank you for listening. We uh, really appreciate your support. Um, we do have a Patreon page that right now supports our Minecraft server and hopefully soon will support our podcast and some of the ministries we've got coming up and fundraising for charities. Um, but we just want to say thanks for being our listeners. Thanks for checking in. And we will see you in the future here on Crossfire. Yeah, have a great day. God, God bless, bless you guys.